Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy this shit show. Welcome back once again to the Bread and Circuses podcast. I am Rooster, here with my co-host, the wokest of the woke, Crow. Hello. And we have a guest today. Josh, you write for Laura Loomer at Laura Loomer US. You've got, and you said you recently got picked up by thirdrailtalk.com. That's true. And then you have a podcast that is unfiltered with Josh Cohn. Indeed I do, yes. All right, cool. Well, tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Josh Cohen. And um, yeah, I've been a conservative journalist uh, in the area probably, I would say, for the last, oh, about the last year or so. Um, And I've been writing for Laura Loomer for the last probably two or three months, covering primarily topics such as Islam and uh, freedom of speech in the form of tech security. Excuse me. Uh, how I got my start was I had a podcast, as I, as you see, called Unfiltered with Josh Cohen. I invite a bunch of people of any particular ideology or background or stripe um, to uh, to talk. Long-form discussion in the manner of, I've always, at my most arrogant, I'll try to uh, liken it to B- Bill Buckley firing line. And I also write essays commenting on various political and social climates that just interest me. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I've listened to conservative a, crow. So settle down. <laughs> right leaning in any. I've case. actually listened to a few of your uh, um, episodes on your unfiltered podcast, mm. and you you basically got really good guests. Uh, so if anybody listens to this and just wants to hear interviews with with excellent guests, I give it a listen. It's it's definitely worth worth your time. And, and they Thank generally you. go about an hour. Generally about an hour. The longest interview I ever did was with uh, the best selling author J. Randy Terabarelli. Michael Jackson's a Fisher biographer, <laughs> if you can imagine. And, uh, yeah, that went about an hour and a half. Yeah, How did that happen? Um, really odd circumstance. Back in the day, you wouldn't know what to look at me now, but I used to box. Um, and uh, I had a friend in Eden Prairie who I boxed with who moved to California. Just so happens uh, he goes to the same school uh, as Terabarelli does. And because of that mutual acquaintanceship, he actually accepted my friend request on Facebook. And I had... Uh, Oh, gosh, probably four screwdrivers one night to get my little courage up. <laughs> and I messaged him on Facebook saying, hey, this is kind of out of the blue, Is but any chance maybe I could interview you? Within an hour, he said, yeah, let's let's do it. Cool. <laughs> and uh, interviewed him, and it was a pleasure. And he called me after and said it was one of the best he's ever done, awesome. which was incredible. So, yeah, and here I am. So <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. What was your favorite interview that you did? Oh, gosh. Uh, I love them all equally. No. Okay. <laughs> I say the same thing about my yeah. kids. <laughs> the best interview. I, I think the one that I think most aligned in terms of sound quality, questions asked, my own comfort level, all that. The one that was most congruent. Probably when I interviewed James Reston Jr. Uh, he was um, the person who helped David Frost in his preparation for the Watergate portion of the Frost-Nixon interviews. If you see the movie Frost-Nixon, he's the guy that Sam Rockwell plays in the movie. Hmm. Okay. That was incredible. Cool. No, I listen to that one. I didn't hear that. I heard. I listened to your Laura Loomer interview and yeah. the Karen Strawn interviews. And mm-hmm. They're both excellent. So yeah, thanks. I'm looking man. forward to more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Look forward to putting out more. Laura Loomer's got some balls on her. <laughs> I mean, the whole chained herself to the front doors of Twitter. Didn't she do that? Oh yeah, chained herself to the front doors of Twitter, wearing the the yellow 
star, um, signifying that she's in the, the digital gulag mm-hmm. that, that Twitter put her in. Wow. Um, and that's not even the ballsiest thing that she's done. Uh, Maya was caught just earlier this week. Uh, she planted herself on Jack Dorsey's front lawn <laughs> in, in protest of, of the, the censorship and the unpersoning that we're experiencing on the right uh, through Twitter and through Facebook and the rest of it. Oh, that's just that's just a myth, right? It's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's all a, <laughs> the left is getting the delusions. left is getting targeted just as much. Just yeah, as much. I mean, they took Louis Farrakhan on Facebook, so there you go. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they took fifty, what down fifty people or whatever, and Farrakhan was one of them. And yeah, Snoop Dogg did not approve. <laughs> well, so. I can say this: Quillette recently published an article that uh, they looked at. I think it was something like 30 high-profile bannings on Twitter, and it found that 26 of them, I think it was, I may be wrong on that, but let's say in any case, the great majority um, of the bannings uh, was in one ideological direction. We can all guess which ideology that was. (laughs) Well, and I remember, I've referred to this several times. I think, uh, you know, Bernie Goldberg had a great point about this, and I don't think it's this way with the tech stuff. I think they're, they're more they have more of an agenda to it. But he always believed that in the media, like the broadcast media, the reason they were biased was not because they had some plan to go after conservatives. It's just that everybody who worked there was a liberal. Right. And that they thought, hey, you know, nobody's going to disagree with this point of view because nobody did. I mean, they were on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. They weren't, well, they didn't have anybody in the room who would argue with them. That'd be the dangers, though, of being in an echo chamber. Right, right? Because, exactly. Because it does amount to uh, a banning of a kind. Um, there's a great book. I, I might get dinged a little bit for plugging uh, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> but he did write a great book called Primetime Propaganda, where he looks at basically liberal bias uh, in Hollywood. Not in terms of news, but in terms of entertainment. And he interviewed something like 300 of the, of the highest profile producers, executives, agents in Hollywood. And they all said quite unashamedly, uh, yeah, if you're a conservative, you're not getting work. Hmm, I never heard of that book. I mean... Yeah, Primetime Propaganda. Yeah. It's a great book. He, yeah. It came out a while ago. Okay. Before he... Kind of hit it big? Yeah. Yeah, we're not... We're not... <laughs> we're. I think I'd consider myself a fan of Shapiro, even though I do have my issues with him. Hey, look, I'll put it this way. I mean, he's... Aside from perhaps William F. Buckley and maybe Christopher Hitchens, he's one of the very best political debaters I have ever seen. Yeah. And I could not be happier that he's on our side. <laughs> well, what I loved is when he did royally fuck up, when he had that interview um, with, with Andrew Neal on BBC. Uh, and yeah. he came back and he admitted, he goes, look, look, that was not my <laughs> finest moment. <laughs> well, it was great. He even sent out a tweet. He said, you know, Andrew Neal absolutely destroys Ben Shapiro. Yeah. He, said, he said, shit, well, that, that's what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I said, oh. I, I, that really ingratiated me to him a lot more after yeah. that. So, well, and he said, he was like, my bad. I shouldn't have done that. That was terrible. Yeah, admit, yeah. Your, admit your mistakes. Don't apologize for bullshit. Which right. is the worst thing you can do. Yep. But when you legitimately make a mistake, you you own up to it. And he did that, and I like that. Absolutely. Well, I think he was just—he's so used to the. I have to use the word. One of my least favorite words to use: divisiveness. He's yeah. so used to the divisiveness that we see in in American politics. He was ready. He, you could see it in his body language. He was ready for a fight. Oh, that's because it's pronounced divisive. <laughs> the old Latin. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The only stuff that. Ben has sort of bothered me with a little bit is he's 
well, first of all, listening to his podcast when he throws in those old-timey radio kind of promo things. You right, know? right. Like, let's talk about your sleep for a minute. I mean, yeah. I understand that's Birch how Birch Gold. Yeah. Birch Gold. <laughs> I, understand, I understand that's how he makes his money, and I'm a capitalist. I'm all for him making his money, but it, it's just kind of annoying to listen to. But the other thing is he just came out and named – and Crow and I were talking about this beforehand. You know, he was talking about – it was a great point that Cory Booker is doing this. Well, if you disagree with me – on how to handle racism, you must be a white supremacist. And he said, you're not defining the term. And he said, when we got the alt-right term thrown out there, he says, we defined it. And yeah. one of the things he threw in as a definition was Richard Spencer. And my mm -hmm. issue with that is that Richard Spencer is not on the right. Richard Spencer is a socialist, hated Reagan, wants the government to run everything, and believes that should be white people doing it. Well, and he's a shill for political identi identity politics. It, absolutely. Well, that's that. That's why they call him on the right. That because if you if you want to uh, label somebody a racist, you can't say if you're a leftist right. or on the left, say that a racist is on the left with you. That's just impossible for them. So well, they have to say you're on the right, regardless yeah. of what your political ideology is. No if you are a, if you are a, a supremacist, a white supremacist, you there's no way you can be on the right. Well, they do the same. Or, thing. I mean, sorry, on the left. So they do the same thing with Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Um. This is a guy who is a Democrat. Um. Probably more defines himself as a classic liberal. Yeah. Um, I was watching an interview earlier today uh, that he did. He said, yeah, people think I'm a conservative. I'm not a conservative. I'm a Christian. It doesn't make me a conservative. Well, classic liberals now are, I mean, John F. Are Kennedy. libertarians. Was, classic liberals. Yeah. John F. Kennedy would have been on it. Right. And they would, if you look at his policies, they'd put him on the right. No question. Kennedy. Freaking Kennedy. You know, it's crazy. Although the left are starting to, I, it was a... a CNN article or something that actually was saying that maybe Jordan Peterson is right about these young men needing to be um, needing to have more more uh, uh, thought put into what's going on with the young mm -hmm. men and dealing with them on a on a personal basis instead of just saying they're idiots toxic. and toxic masculinity and all toxic that. And even the left is starting to recognize that maybe Jordan Peterson it's it's not about left right it's about um, social, you know, problems that we have to deal with, and that's what all he's trying to do. Clean your room is actually just a first step in just getting yourself right before you can positively affect the world. That was an amazing. <laughs> I have to hear that again. Kind of like Kermit. Yeah. Clean your room. <laughs> he had. He, we talked about this before. He was on a, um, I think it was an Australian show where they were doing sort of question time kind of thing. Yeah, question time. And there was a big woman in the audience who was just all smug about, you know, isn't isn't this sort of, you know, making these banal points about clean your room? Right. And he comes right back and he goes, well, I don't think, you know, calling those points banal leads to, uh, uh, you know, civil discussion. So I'm going to give you a chance to rephrase your Why question. You try again. Yeah, give a <laughs> shot. And so she was just like, oh, whatever. And he goes, it's not about, she was talking about the like global warming. You know, you can't as a person affect global warming. So how does clean your room help? And he's like, because you got to get your life together before you can tell other people how to do it. And if you can't do that, well, you're not much use to anybody. And then the guy who was moderating goes, well, surely if you can't affect your own situation, you should at least be part of the greater good, right? And he's like, no. <laughs> well, <'cause laughs> Just, one, no. Well, because one begets the other. Doesn't yeah, it kind of have absolutely. to? Absolutely. Yeah. You can't, I, I can't help you if I'm, my own life is messed up. Wow, but that's what a lot of people do. I mean, yeah. on the right and the left. Throwing right? stones from glass houses. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cliche, but it's it's yeah. true. Yeah, there are times when cliches come alive, and I think it's in situations like that that they do. Well, it's so much easier to you know fix other people's flaws than to sort of worry about your own. Well, because you see them. 
Yeah. Well, even no, when you're here, a lot of people are blind to their own flaws. Even absolutely. when, even when you know you have them. I mean, that's why I spent so much time trying to get Crow's life straightened out. Yeah. And, and here's the thing: I know my flaws. I get it. I understand my flaws. It's changing them that's the problem. Well, yeah. I, I exactly. looked at my own life. I realized I didn't have any flaws, so I don't know oh, what you guys are awesome. talking about. I'll have to. You have to write a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Self help. Self help. Self help by Josh. Exactly. <laughs> well, we got we got lots of stuff to talk about here. Great. Um. You know, the first thing, I, I'll keep this short, but the first thing I kind of want to get to is this Jessica Yanov thing. <laughs> yeah. Actually getting busted by the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Yeah, Police. we've talked about this before in, on uh, a podcast about this. We went off on her for a good bit him. of time. Him, yeah. Him. Shim, it, whatever. He is a uh, so-called transgender uh, activist. Right. And he is basically, he, he's from Canada and he goes around. Uh, Having pedophilic menstruative fantasy problems yeah he, he gets on chat chats with the uh, underage girls and talks about menstruation as if it's something he's gone through and that he wants to help them out with their with their first you know i you know what i'm getting angry just well i was just I'm gonna not even to talk about i was just gonna say he does stuff that if he did in half of this country he would get the absolute shit kicked out of him by right. some dad yeah but he he also is litigious where he'll 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 he's trying he's basically trying to sue people and get money and I mean he's sued something like twelve salons yeah, yeah. for not waxing his, his balls not waxing his balls yeah the Brazilian the the Brazilian yeah <laughs> oh that's a good one but uh, write it down that yeah. sounds disgusting uh, I didn't come up with it I admit <laughs> but uh, he he represents himself so he doesn't you know he doesn't have a, anything to do but to go and and be an asshole. And he'll he does this, and he was interviewed by Blair White, who is a, a transgendered person. I, would, I mean, what's the term? Technology? I don't know. Yeah. Um, who? And there's a thing called passing privilege. We've talked about this before. So, if uh, if a man transitions into a female, but and it actually gets away, actually looks like a female when they get done, they actually don't have a lot of issues with people calling them. Uh, she or her because right. it's just naturally they're like that looks like a woman I'm gonna say she her mm -hmm. and so a lot of the transgender people that can't do that that are just so, so masculine have big Adam's apples and white jaws and are hairy or whatever and can't do that or don't have the money to transition because it takes a lot of money to get that look they're upset with people like her because she has passing privilege and doesn't look like Mimi from the Drew Carey show <laughs> yeah yeah um I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, yeah, uh, Blair Blair White is, I mean, looks like a beautiful woman. <laughs> I have to tell you, every time I see a photo of him, I'm very tempted to to give her the feminine pronoun. Well, you, I can't help it. I she do. She really does. Yeah. I just did it right yeah, yeah. then. She really does. So, so passing like privilege is actually a real thing. Would Blair White care if you said him? Probably. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. She, I don't. I think it would bother her, but I don't think she would. Demand she'd probably be a victim just, over it. She probably just consider the source and move on. Yeah, or realize but that she has a life to live. The point was, she actually had an interview with Jessica Yenov, um, and mm -hmm. brought up all the creepiness of it, and saying you're not a good representative of trans people. You're actually setting trans people back quite a bit because you are kind of reinforcing all the negative stereotypes. And I can't help but say, yeah, yeah, you are. Right. You're you're bad news. <laughs> and then he, uh, Yenov flashed a stun gun. <laughs> At one point during the interview, yeah, it was like over yeah. an hour. It was yeah. a couple hours, and which is illegal to own in Canada. in Canada. And so the the Canadian police came and arrested him and hauled him off. And then they did release him, but in the time that they had him in jail, they went and searched his home and found 
bear spray, pepper spray. All illegal. All illegal. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be charges pressed, and there should be. Absolutely. But, but the thing is, these charges are not the charges that should be pressed. The charges that should be pressed are when he went, he went and tried to organize a pool party, a transgender pool party for 12 and up and saying it was topless and no parents allowed and all that. This guy is a pedophile. I, I get that, and I don't disagree with you. The problem is you have to actually commit the crime first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking legally, yeah. Legally, legally he can't get in trouble, but... Uh, but it's got a bad scent to it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, God, yeah. 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 It reminds me of, um, not to change subjects, but the... The transgender um, uh, story time. Oh, that yeah, that yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, have they committed a crime? I suppose not. Some of them, have, but one of them, yeah, yeah, one or two of them have have actually been revealed to be um, pedophiles that aren't allowed to be people. around kids. Yeah, or yeah. Or, or, or yes, uh, have some sort of sexual uh, conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, then the, one of the latest ones was the library had there was pictures posted that they tried to suppress where the where the drag queen lay down on the ground and the kids were crawling all oh, over on his, on her, his stomach yeah and <laughs> and it's just it's just really creepy there sorry well, i was <laughs> going to say it's, it's what happens when we as a culture are too tolerant and too inclusive you know now we've reached a point where we're we're afraid to call something like this which is clearly sick yeah sick because no, what are we now? Now we're bigots and we're transphobic. Well, well I've said I've said this outrageous. before that it, it was a there there was a point where people were pushing from the LGBTQ plus two IA whatever uh, community. They're pushing for <laughs> acceptance or, or no, just tolerance, and right. then it went to acceptance, and then it went to celebration. So you're a bigot if you don't actively celebrate that lifestyle. Well, I can tolerate it. I don't. You know what? As long as you're not harming anybody else and it you makes you. you feel good to wear women's clothing, I don't care, honestly. See, I think we should call it the LGBTQ pie movement because they keep adding digits and letters and oh, everything the forever. Yeah, so just do the pie symbol. I'm just waiting to see the Batman signal. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. The, the prince symbol and all that. Yeah. It's going to be stuff. In case you're formerly known as. A, yeah. Man. That's pretty funny. Yeah. No, but, I, I think Again, we've said this many times. I don't care what you do in your personal life. Yeah. I don't, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to dress like a woman, use a woman's name, you know, do whatever you want to do. Just don't tell me I have to say you're a man. Yeah. And don't do weird shit with kids. Just well, don't you know? bother me with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, yeah. If you're, if you're messing with society and you're screwing up children, that's the problem I have. Don't, don't cross that line and I won't have a problem with you. Mm-hmm. The problem is they go... Well, people bring up the slippery slope argument when it comes to this thing. Once you start accepting this, it it, trans, it, it gets to the slip, and, and they go, "Well, that's a fallacy." No, it's not, because it's been proven now that yeah. it, it's it's happening. The slippery I, slope is happening. Well, like when um when the community, the LGBT community, uh, said that they wanted the the rainbow flag. What was it? It was the rainbow flag uh, presented at the United Nations. I think yeah. it was. I'm thinking that going. So how homophobic am I if I if I say I. I don't dig this. I don't like any or, or fly it, but then we'll we'll go ahead and present our straight flag. No, no, yeah. no, no. I want a bukkake flag <laughs> because that's my sexual kink. Right? right? You're into bukkake, huh? I, oh God! Let me tell you. These, I don't. No, don't. Yeah. Don't tell me. So college is a terrible. <laughs> so, so let's say let's say you're into some whatever sexual kink you're into. You make a movement out of it, and you go, "I'm into this sexual kink. It's not normal. It's abnormal. It's not the it's not the the regular, but it's not harmful per se. Right. But I want people to say that it's good and that it's uh, positive, and I want you to celebrate it, and I want to have a uh, I want to have a, a parade based on it. So and if you don't be- like that, then you're gonna then you're a hateful bigot. Well, no, you don't like Bukaki, then. 
I shouldn't force it upon you. And and don't bring kids right. into it. And uh, listeners, don't look it up. Yeah, yeah, don't look it up. And no, and no. Cro- for the record, Crow was not into Bukaki videos. Well, that's <laughs> why. For was, the record, neither am I. I was, that's why I was. That's why I was going to ask you, what does a Futanari flag look oh, like? Oh, <laughs> wrong, so wrong. Yeah, don't do that one either, people. <laughs> don't. There's, a time, there's time and a place for everything. It's called college. And, <laughs> and the thing is, if if you look up one thing on the internet, it. Inevitably leads you down before a path, you know it. Yeah, where you don't even, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you're like, I gotta, I gotta get away from all this. Well, that's a, is it eight millimeter, the Nicolas Cage movie mm-hmm. where he's trying to find the gal who was killed in the snuff film and find out if it was real. Yeah. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character goes, "Look, I'll take you down this road, but you're gonna see some things you can't unsee." Yeah, and that's exactly what. what that's kind of the stage we're in nowadays. <laughs> our our culture, society is kind of it's broken, and I don't even know how to fix it. Um, and a part of it is the kind of the we've talked about this before the cultural Marxism the nihilism where nothing there's no truth but yeah. what you make of it you know and that's not a good thing for society and I don't know I will disagree that society's broken what I think is there's just no shame anymore self shame you shame mm. everybody else right. and so a great example is we can talk about all these kinks that people are saying well now you have to acknowledge that my Futanari fetish is, you know, me, and it's me living my best life. No, it's something that if you do in the privacy of your own home, do that. Don't come out and say, you know, this is my fetish or my thing right. or whatever, and I need a flag. And Yeah, if you're a furry that likes to yiff, yeah. yiff away don't, with all the other furries look, that you know. Don't look up yiffing. Uh, I never have. It just doesn't furry. sound good. Yeah. Uh, but... But by the, same, by the same by the same token sorry, by the same token I read an article uh, a few months ago about people ghosting at work. And we're not talking about, you know, hourly people at McDonald's that just one day don't show up. We're talking about people with salaried jobs that they've been at for five, six, seven years just don't show up one day. And hmm. coworkers look them up on Facebook and here they are, time stamped with their feet on a beach going, living my best life. And there's all these responses going, you go, girl, or whatever. And nobody's like, aren't you supposed to be at work? (laughs) You know, I mean, there's no shame in it. There's no person who goes, no person who says, you know what? I hate this job. I got to tell my boss. And it's just so much easier to just go away, you know, and they don't feel shame. Indulgence is what it comes down to and and immediate indulgence. Well, it seems to me that, yeah, shame has given, given way to indulgence and it's become the polar opposite of shame. Um, well, actually, having out. having something that should be was shameful fifty years ago is something to get you uh, popularity or infamy, or, or yeah. it gets you the spotlight, which is what people are craving. And so, it, it can be the most ridiculous kind of craven act or 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 you know, ludicrous thing that you can do that mm-hmm. should make you embarrassed. But as long as it gets you those the views and the and the uh, the internet fame, it's okay. You can let people know that's what you are and that's what you do. Well, and maybe maybe they win again because here we are talking about Jessica Yaniv, right? Yeah. <laughs> here she has. Yeah. Here he's made himself. Uh, what can we say? A celebrity. And I at one point thought that he might be a right wing troll, like just playing out the part, like hardcore. Just showing the ridiculousness of of how it of can how it can get yeah. how stupid it can get, but no, he's he's legit. He's yeah. the, he's the real deal. Well, I saw. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you guys saw that the Democratic Socialist <laughs> Convention. You try, might, we're try not to spit out your beer. <laughs> I, I almost did. So I watched that clip. You made me, you made me think of it, uh, Crow. You like, want me to play it real quick? Oh, it's yeah. pretty yeah. short here. So 
the Democratic Socialists, they had a convention, and it was uh, it was as amazing as you probably th- – it's more amazing wait, than you. Wait, before you do that, your crow, he, him, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Point of personal privilege. Point <laughs> of personal privilege. Okay, here we go. So one of the speakers is up there trying to get some sort of point across, and they get interrupted here. We're going to play it. Uh, quick point of privilege. Quick point of personal privilege. Um, guys, uh, first of all, James Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. I just want to say, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? I'm one of the people who's very, very prone to sensory overload. There's a lot of whispering and chatter going on. It's making it very difficult for me to focus. Please, can we just, I know it's, we're all fresh and ready to go, but can we please just keep the chatter to a minimum? It's affecting my ability to focus. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, comrade. Okay, is there a speaker against name, point chapter, pronoun? Point of personal privilege. Yes. Please do not use gendered language to to address everyone. <laughs> the woman sat there just like looking at him like, huh? And she's like, okay. And then oh she's nods like, okay, uh, uh, yeah. And what's funny about this clip, this clip, if you watch the video of it, the first person when he says guys, that's what triggered this, this second speaker. So he goes, guys. <laughs> and then you can see on the video that the second person who's a like, Jessica Yanov lookalike. Basically, this dude has got bright pink hair and a pink, uh, a pink uh, onesie moo moo. Sounds about right. And, and <laughs> looks like a football player. And he's sitting there and he's like maybe three chairs down. And as soon as this person says, hey, guys, he goes, he just freaks out. He's it's like, male. He like pumps his fist. He's like, I need to speak. I need, oh. And then he just, he's just like, Freaking out, and then as soon as that person leaves the mic, he's jumping up at the mic and goes, "Spurs out!" <laughs> so I, I came away from that with two impressions. Um, the first was obviously I laughed my ass off. Um, well, three. Second, wow, they just got Trump reelected, and they don't even know it. Third, um, it was funny, but then once I stopped laughing, it started to scare me a little bit because this is—I hate to be cliche—but um, that that is the Orwellian future. That if yeah. the left continues to promulgate, that's what we'll see. We'll see controlled language. I mean, look at how look at how afraid everyone was to to talk. It's but not natural to talk. On the other hand, you got to think that younger generations, since they are the kind, you know, when you're younger and you're rebellious and you're not going to go with the status quo. If this is kind of what you're getting shown as the status quo from you know, kindergarten on up, you're going to rebel against this kind of bullshit. Well, and that's actually a really good point, Crow, because I, I think we're seeing a new, young, vibrant wave of conservatism sweeping the country. It used to be, it was, uh, you know, back in the Jerry Falwell days, for instance, it was the conservatives that were picketing outside the Sex Pistols Yeah, moral, concerts, moral panics left Moral panic, right. exactly. Yeah. But now what do we see? We see uh, the, the great cultural influence is that uh, from the left. We see conservative speakers being banned. We see uh, my own Laura Loomer being banned, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they did something, in my view, that is incredible. They've managed to make conservatism cool. Yeah, that is actually true. It's like yeah. the counterculture now. It really it, is. It, it is the, the new, yeah, it's the new counter counterculture. Um, and yeah, I I think it's it's, it's worth mentioning. So uh, like I said, uh, there was a reason Trump got elected. Yeah. Yeah, okay. well, the young people kind of like they yearn for a traditional family structure because they know that's good for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, I think a lot of them, they, they, they recognize that you can, you don't, it, not everybody's going to fit in that mold, but societally, it's the best thing for society to have that. And you can have people that don't fit that mold and you don't have to make fun of them and you don't have to belittle them and you don't have to criminalize whatever behavior they have as long as it's, as long as it's not affecting uh, deteriorously the society. Yeah. And 
and that that's that's good. Well, and there's we've talked about this before, the sort of Matt Christensen Tim Pool effect. I mean, Matt when he was in college viewed himself as a lefty. He was a pro gun guy, but he was a lefty, and he said, you know, everything moved that direction. He admits he moved to the right, but it, it accelerated on him. Now, Tim Poole, who sees himself still on the left, he right. says it all the time, I'm a lefty, I'm a moderate lefty. Supported Bernie. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. he's sitting here going, well, geez, I, I don't know if I can go for most of this stuff, and uh, <laughs> maybe this minimum wage is a bad idea, and, you know, <laughs> universal basic income. I'm not for that. And <laughs> so there's all these left talking points that he's just not for. But he's alt-right adjacent. Right. But what's going to happen now is we always talk about the people who, you know, oh, the Trump Trump got these Democrats in this area, these Obama Democrats to vote for him. You know, they haven't voted for a Republican since Reagan, that kind of stuff. But nobody on the left is talking about all of the leftists who just go, I I can't vote for these people. And I'm still going to vote. So I'm going to vote for, in Tim's case, like Tulsi Gabbard or Andrew Yang, you know, and it. That's it's part of the problem with leaving so many candidates out there for so long, you know, that a lot of them get a voice and there's all these the Democratic Party is so fractured anyway. But I mean, they don't they don't have anybody in that field who's, I think, going to beat Trump. And it's because of not only the people they put up, but the way they treat everybody who disagrees with them. Well, so I've I've said this. I haven't said it in print yet, but I've said it privately in conversation. Um, I'll say it now. Um I would say that uh, what the DFL wants, the, the person that they're going to nominate, is going to be two things. They're going to be a socialist, uh, at least partially in terms of public of political policy, and they're going to be an extremist. That knocks Joe, uh, Joe Biden out straight away. He's gone in the first round. And I don't know if you guys saw the, the last round of debates, um, but every single one of them went after Biden uh, and Obama. And, Ob- and Obama. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Gabbard Obama. going after Kamala Harris. Which, oh, by the way, that was pretty beautiful. <laughs> that was, that was, that, yeah. that was a in Chris, more ways than one because she's a cutie. That was a Chris Christie, Marco yeah, Rubio mo- moment there. <laughs> yeah. It was. You know, we always ha- we always say that the women on the right are better looking than women on the left, but she, she's yeah, an exception. She, uh, be the exception. <laughs> the like. Well, according, according to the left, though, she's on the right. Look at us, misogynists. Because yeah. her parents us are her parents are uh, conservative Christians. Right? Okay. So therefore, she's well, and one of her big policies—not not policy, but uh, obviously talking point—is to go after big tech. Yeah, uh, on the censorship well, yeah. thing. Well, she's pissed off about them actually uh, skewing uh, uh, search results for her. Yep. After the after the debates. Yep. Which is true. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's all establishment stuff. I mean, the the big tech companies are all all for deep state quote unquote establishment bullshit. Right. Well, and I was. I started talking about this earlier, but I think Bernie Goldberg's point was that broadcast media did it by accident. And now the tech media, all of these places are within 20 miles of each other in San Francisco. They're in one of the most liberal areas of the country. And they're unapologetic about it. They're like, that offends me. I can get rid of it, so I'm going to. Uh, Are you guys familiar with Megan Murphy? I know the name. Yeah. Radical feminist writer. Oh yeah, um, yeah. As far left as you can. Yeah, she was. Was she banned for? Well, that's what I was going to say. So yeah. she was. She was banned off of Twitter. Saying men aren't women or something. That was like that. that was her great sin. Uh, men, that was to, wasn't men that aren't to, women though. Wasn't that to, to Yanov? No, uh, wasn't to Yanov. It was before Yanov. Okay, I thought to, for sure. I heard it was because I heard that was a, one of the first things Yanov de- did was get her banned. Well, I, I don't. I could be. Wrong. I, I certainly I'm not gonna, that. Yeah, I it could be fake news. <laughs> I could be fake newsing myself here. Um, but I'm like, well, that's and Tim Pool actually brought that up in in the the Joe Rogan podcast with with Dorsey. 
Oh, he went after them. That oh was my God. Good job, yeah. He and, tore them apart. And Joe let him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, one of the things he said is like right there you have um, uh, a worldview that is ideologi- ideologically bent to one particular side. If you talk to a conservative and you ask them what, what is misgendering, it's when you call a biological man a woman or vice versa. On um, We know that the left does not have that that sentiment right <laughs> um so straight away that you twitter has an ideologically biased rule and then they say they don't it's it's extraordinary to me yeah <laughs> you know and if the part that bothers me is again as a capitalist i look at it and say it's their company and crow and i've had this debate a bunch of times about you know it's ubiquitous and it's the way we talk to each other but the part that bothers me more than anything is they do it and then say i don't know mm-hmm. what you're talking about Right. I, that that seems normal to me. Well, just admit you have the bias. And that could be half the argument gone right there. Well, like you, you just mentioned, you just broached on it, uh, Rooster, with the, um, well, they're a private company. They can do what they want. Okay, so then does that mean that the NFL uh, can do what they did to Colin Kaepernick with no issues? After sure. all, the NFL is a private company. Well, as Vince from Red Elephants brought up, he goes, well, we tell private companies what to do all the time. Yeah. We tell them how they have to hire. We tell them how much they have to pay. So why the hell can't we do it? Well, and then these these big big tech uh, social uh, media companies, they have all kinds of – they're basically intertwined with the government. It's They have all kinds of kickbacks. They have tax loops. They have all kinds of stuff they're dealing with that they're very much part of the government. They should be publishers. Well, yeah. Yeah, publishers. Not. Right. As opposed to – what was the other thing? Content creators? Yeah, yeah. something like Platforms. that. Platforms. Platforms. That's yeah. right. Publisher versus platforms. Well, and that's true. And, and Poole brought this up in the, in the Rogan thing as well was that you have – Twitter and Facebook, in a very real way, influencing elections. Yeah, more than the Russians by far. Much more than the Russians. <laughs> oh, you bigot. <laughs> you Trump apologist. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so what we have there is now Twitter is, um, is excising one side of the political argument, the political discussion, from public discourse. And I, don't yeah. like, I don't like that at all. You know my favorite part of that whole... Tim Pool, Jack Dorsey, and what's the what was the attorney's name? Um, I can't remember. Oh no, she was cute though. Yeah, yeah. she was. Yeah, she was. Yeah. But she, uh, she goes, uh, uh, oh wait a wait to demean her, you two. You know, <laughs> you you uh, prize her only for her looks. I see what you're doing. Um, point of privilege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, there was a point where Tim is putting the pressure on, and normally, like uh, Crow and I talked about it when when Joe took on just. Jack Dorsey by himself, there were points where he didn't make him tap out, you know? Right. And my my thing was, I don't think it's Joe's job to embarrass his guest. If he gets to the point where he, I mean, to use the analogy, they go, okay, I'm, I'm good. And he's like, I gotcha. I'm going to let you. Right. You know, he's well, made a, the point. Well, he's not a journalist either. Right. So he isn't in the business of, other than when he went after the Adam guy from Adam Ruins Everything. He oh, wrecked that, that guy. But... He normally, if he gets a guy pinned down like he did with Jack in his interview with him, he'll, it's like, I made the point, you know, we're good enough, we'll move on. But he let Tim go after them. And there was a point where Jack was just like, they said, uh, Tim would say, well, you guys, you know, do whatever it is at, at Twitter. And he's like, I don't think we do that. And Tim goes, well, here, no, you did it. Here, yeah. here, and here. And Jack just looks at her like. At his you, lawyer. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. got something to say on that? And she looked at him like. You son of a bitch. <laughs> He's just like, yep, I'm out. <laughs> you know? So. I, I honestly don't think people like Jack Dorsey think there's anything wrong in what they're doing. 
I think they believe they're so righteous well, that it's if somebody says something offensive, it's just the polite thing to do to get somebody out of it. So actually, would you mind if I disagree with you on that? Go um, ahead. Yeah. So one thing's uh, Crow does it all the time. <laughs> In, uh, in one of Laura Loomer's videos, the ones I, I mentioned before we went on the air, of, uh, or maybe earlier in the interview, um, where she plants herself in front of Jack Dorsey's house. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have some water. <laughs> quote, unquote. Yeah, quote, unquote. Unquote. <laughs> quote, unquote, marks. Yeah, water. Um, she references a Rolling Stone interview that uh, Dorsey gave where he said, I'm all for activism. I'm all for protest. I'm all for rebel. After all. Here, you know, I'm, isn't that kind of his shtick as he's the rebel yeah. CEO, right? Um, and uh, I think, I may be wrong, uh, I would encourage our listeners to, to find the Laura Loomer video um, to, uh, to uh, prove it. But um, he uh, flat out says, shows support for Laura Loomer in that interview hmm. Hmm. for her cause. Yeah. Now, if that's true, um, which I don't doubt that it is. I mean, that's that's a pretty malicious form of hypocrisy, it seems to me. It's something, it's not quite as benign as and passive as you might think from a, a C, CEO, you know. Well, I just think that um, much like Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, not a Steve Jobs, because I think Steve Jobs had an agenda all along in how he was going to run his company. But um, who's the guy who took over Apple after Tim Steve? Cook. Tim Cook. Tim Cook falls in this category with... You know, these guys were thrust into something they weren't expecting. They didn't see how it um, sort of came along. And the analogy or would it would it didn't gradually grow. The analogy I'll use is uh, my dad and I would talk about this, about why doctors are so terrible with money in general, because they go from one day literally making almost nothing to the next day. They're they're full blown doctors and at residents, they're graduates, they're making sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. When you go from making $22,000 to $150,000 a week later, you're not good with money. Every other profession sort of comes up, even lawyers, sort of come up through the ranks and, you know, get used to that amount of money. I think with someone like Jack Dorsey, Twitter was a thing and most of these companies fail. You know, they, they're startups and they do nothing and some of them really hit and they get so big so fast. There's no manual on how to handle this. Right. And though they are very smart people, it's, it's aimed in a very narrow band, the tech stuff. They don't know how to handle the rest of this, the immediate fame, the... Politics, all the, that. Yeah, thing. all of it. And so the, I, I see you know Jack Dorsey in front of Congress or in front of Tim Poole on Joe Rogan's podcast with this deer-in-the-headlights look because no one ever explained it to him, you know? Yeah. So... Was it... Uh, but then I would say he should admit it when he's called on it. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Was it... Was it Laura Loomer that went to Nancy Pelosi's house with yes. a bunch of migrants? Yes. That was a, that was a cool move. I oh, like that, yeah. too. <laughs> she, like you said, she's so got, she, so she's she got hung, cojones. <laughs> as she told me when I interviewed her earlier this year before I, I joined her her outlet, um, you know, she, she hopped Pelosi's fence with uh, several of her amigos <laughs> and uh, planted out in, in front of Pelosi's lawn saying, well, hey, you just Let said. Let us in. Sanctuary. Yeah, well, hey, Sanctuary City, you said. Yeah. Uh, Walls are borders are immoral, you said, oh, that's and good. here that's we great. are. I love that. That that's the kind of well, like in your face activism. That's not. It's not. 
obviously she's not threatening them with any kind of physical violence no. or anything. It's just making a, a point. Yep. And that's that's perfect. Well, and it's also using the left's playbook against them. Um, I'm not normally going to quote Saul Alinsky, but he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he, he did write a book, which uh, I'd recommend to anyone, called Rules for Everybody Everybody should read it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's basically a, a bunch of rules for when you're trying to organize a grand community effort, how do you go about it? And one of them says uh, to use the opponent's playbook against them. Um, I was in debate with someone a while back, <clears throat> and uh, he made the comment, I'm sorry that this, uh, this discussion is triggering you. And then I said, well, wait a minute. Is there something laughable about being triggered? I thought this was a turn it back real, around on him. Yeah, yeah I thought I this was. It. I thought this was a term that that held a great deal of of weight and should be treated nice. with tenderness. Uh, is there something uh, undermine your own movement? Go ahead. <laughs> what is there something laughable about that? That's that was, that's good. That's actually I'll have to remember that. That's thanks, right. I like well, that. <laughs> uh, one of the other rules, I think, it's rule number five. Ridicule is is the man's most most potent weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So absolutely, just just turn it around on them, um, and they very rarely don't know what to do. Well, there's a, there's a great... Very usually don't know what to do, excuse me. There's a great quote Gavin had on one of his podcasts recently where he said, you know, do you have the or what gene? When someone says, oh, you're going to have to do this, and you go, or what? Hmm. And the same thing, he goes, uh, so is just another offshoot of or yeah, what? And that's uh, Breitbart. And when, some, when somebody Andrew says... Breitbart had that kind of attitude, too. I'm triggered. And you go, so? Yeah. They, they, lose, well, they lose all power right there. So when I get into these debates, and I, I do it a lot because I'm argumentative. <laughs> One of my best qualities. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> um, very often people, it, it's bums me out. People say, that's offensive, as if those two words constitute an argument. And not to me, they don't. Uh, I say, I'm still waiting to hear what your point is. You know, And I'm not running for anything politically, so I don't have to pretend to be <laughs> light. <laughs> you know? Well, Just because it offends you. Everything, anything and everything can be offensive to somebody. So I interviewed um, the journalist Peter Hitchens. Uh, on my podcast. He was the second interview I ever did. It was incredible. And uh, he had a quote. We, we talked about the First Amendment, freedom of speech. And he said, look, and we talked about the freedom to offend. He says, um, uh, anything you say of any creativity or originality may offend somebody. So what? Mm-hmm. Well, that was Jordan Peterson's interview with that was it Kathy Newman? Kathy Newman of Channel Four. That was yeah. great. Oh my God. Anybody looks at, if you look anybody look look that up. You'll enjoy that interview. You're but, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> just I mean, don't get don't don't get into fights with guys with names like Lefty. You know, don't get into an intellectual argument with a Thomas Sowell or Jordan Peterson. Just don't do Tom it. Thomas Sowell, man. Yeah, and Thomas Sowell brings up the point that I've I it's my sort of so what thing to racism when people say we got to do something about racism. Soul has this thing, and we've used it many times before. He says, I don't care about racism. Racism happens in someone's head. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of to paraphrase, what do I care if someone's racist if, they, if that behavior never manifests itself? He says, we should care about discrimination. Yeah. Discrimination is the actual uh, policy manifestation of racism. We all have our biases. I said this before. My, my grandpa, who fought in World War II, hated Asian people. I mean, he fought in the Philippines against the Japanese. They tried to kill him. They killed a lot of his friends. Now, we, he killed a lot of their friends, too. But he hated Asian people his mm. entire life. Never you mean, once. You mean the Orientals. Yeah. <laughs> never once saw him interact with any of them. He just stayed away. Yeah. He, you know, he, he didn't cause any problems with them. But to him, they were all slanty-eyed bastards. Mm. You know? And so 
this person to me was a sweet old man whose biases I don't share, you know, because I didn't go through what he went through. But you you will you will go nuts trying to fix yeah. his racism. He couldn't get over that aspect of his personality or of his racism, but it didn't it never got to the never point. Manifested. Yeah, it never got to the point where it hurt somebody else. Well, and I can give you an example of that myself, not not quite as dramatic, but um, in a previous job I was a, a project manager at a tech company, and as such I met a lot of people from Silicon Valley, right? And I found I'm not tremendously fond of people from Silicon Valley. No real reason for it. I, ju- I just I they, there's an air that they have about them that I just don't like, right? Now, that's a, a, pre- a prejudice that I have, right? It's a prejudice that I probably shouldn't have. <coughs> Hipster. I, <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd probably be a slightly better person if I didn't have this prejudice. But if it doesn't manifest, where really is the, the great sin being Yeah, committed? if you look at them walking in the room and you go, oh, the son of a gun. I'll be like, in your head, and, I'll shake I, and then you shake your hand, and then you let listen to what they have to say, and then if they have a proposal for you, and you're just like, oh, that's a good proposal. Yeah. Okay, here's my counter proposal, whatever. And you just go about your business. That's but it. your initial thought was a prejudiced thought. Who fucking cares? Exactly. And that's, and that's so much of uh, what we just described was probably 90% Shit, 95, 96, 97% of the so-called racists that the left... Um, yeah, a preconceived well, notion. And I, I still say... Everybody has that. Of course. I still say there's far more racists on the left. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I, it's, it's starting to kind well, of prove out. they're obsessed with it. They're obsessed. Yeah, it's well, starting to prove out. Let yeah. me give you an example. A, a recent neighbor of ours, they moved into the neighborhood, and I, I met them at a neighborhood night out thing. We were talking, and he had mentioned going into the DMV to get his car, because they moved from another state. Um. He said, you know, everyone was nice and polite to me, but a black gentleman came in behind me and I could tell right away they treated that person differently. And I'm thinking maybe they did or maybe they didn't. And you perceived it that way, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're saying a white guy is going to treat this, but just watch. And here we go. And so maybe their own bias was baked into that, you know, sort of a me thinks thou doth protest too much yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> My thing would have been, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have known because I wouldn't have paid any damn attention to what happened to the person in the line behind me, yeah. especially at the DMV. Well, I just went of, out of there as fast as possible. It's one of the great sins I think that the left has committed. Is that now they've, they're now forcing us to, careful how I phrase this, acknowledge race, like, like bring race as a factor into it. If I'm meeting someone who's black or Asian or, or whatever, my brain just doesn't, just here's a guy. Yeah. You know, well, and now, now they brought in the racial dimension into it. And I would say, I think a good definition of racism would probably be to believe that our species is subdivided by races. Yeah. That's a decent definition oh, of yeah. racism, I think. Well, you, my, my uh, there's a cultural aspect that comes into play when you yeah. when people think it's racial and it's not. It's cultural. So if you're used to being – like I used to work in an area that was very kind of – That's just your dog whistle for racism. Damn dog whistling. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways – I was in an area that was, you know, uh, predominantly kind of lower class, kind of, there was a lot of crime. It was just, you know, prostitutes in the corners, drug dealing, all that. And when uh, I worked at a, a semi-public uh, facility, so when someone would walk in, if they carried themselves a certain way, I would treat them a certain way. Right. If they carried themselves another way, I'd treat them a different way. It didn't matter the color, mm-hmm. but predominantly one color was 
the 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 patron at that point. So you could say, oh, he's treating somebody differently because they're that color. It's, no, it's 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 cultural. not. It's cultural. Right. I'm a culturalist. I've said this before. I'm not a racist. I'm a culturalist. Doesn't matter what your color of your skin is. If you act like a decent human being, I will treat you like that. If you carry yourself like a decent human being, yep. immediately I will think this is a decent human being. Well, and then and then you ask yourself. I could be wrong though. <laughs> <laughs> but you want you want to come in as a good faith actor. You want yeah. to come into it in good faith. Well, it's like you know. Then we had. Uh, I always ask the left, "Do you think facts are racist?" I mean, when I make the statement, you know, African Americans comprise thirteen percent of the population, and they make up what is it now? Something like seventy percent of the deaths in this country. Yeah. Is it racist for me to point that out? Surely not. Yes, it is. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my white privilege elsewhere. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, but that's I, a cultural. That, that's a cultural malady. Right. It is, and, and, it, and it, can, it can be fixed. It's not. Yeah. It's not intrinsic to a race. No, it's cultural, and in, and in primarily democratic cities, what has most the highest gun deaths in yeah. the country? Chicago. Yeah. Well, I was well. I, I on the true. heels of Baltimore's the Trump Baltimore comments, the things came out that said uh, stats came out that said Baltimore's got one of the highest murder rates per capita in the entire world. Yeah. It is yeah, a shithole city. Yeah. But uh, the trap I always use on the racism thing when I'm talking to a leftist who's like, "Oh, you know, white people are inherently racist." I say, "Well, if you're walking down a street and you see a white guy in a suit on one side and two black guys in hoodies on the other side." Which side of the street are you going to walk on? And they say, well, I'm going to move to the other side, and that's a perfect manifestation of my white privilege. And I say, okay, great. How about if it's the other way around? Black guy in a suit, two white guys in a hoodie. I'm said, going to the side with the black in the suit. <laughs> I'm going to the side with the black guy in the suit, and I'm going, watch out for those guys. Because yeah. <laughs> it's cultural. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, that the fact is they try to tie culture to race. And to some degree, it is. I don't think they see a difference. But some some degree, it, it kind of ends up being that way in, in some instances because you, you've got, like, let's say, inner city rap culture or gangster culture, right? Mm. But you can see a, a, a white guy with a thug life tattoo on his belly, just like you can see a Hispanic guy or an Asian guy or a black guy had the same thing. But it's tied to black culture. Right. Because of rap and because of whatever else. So then right, right off the bat, you're saying, okay, well... Even if you say, if you see a white guy with a thug life belly tattoo and a wife beater and uh, is slouching his pants and you are upset about that or you think he's bad news, it's because you were equating him to black culture. So you are racist. So you can't win with them. Well, that's it. And then and then, because I myself have come up in those kinds of discussions as well, come up to those kinds of discussions. And I say the same thing. So what? Because it was because you were flashing your thug life tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Or I turn around and show my juicy tattoo. There you go. Your tramp stamp. <laughs> I told you that was a bad idea. Yeah. Why don't we do some would you rather? Yeah, let's get to would you rather. We're a little late on these because we try to get, but uh, hmm. it was so fascinating. We couldn't stop. Oh, thank you. Huh? <laughs> well, I wasn't. I was talking. Rooster. I mean, he really well, he really stole the show tonight. I, I do. <laughs> you know how to hurt the guy, bro. <laughs> I, I do that a lot. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do some would you rathers here. All right. Um, so, would you rather sunbathe nude on a public beach or have a nude scene in a Broadway play? Well, the last time I sunbathed nude on a public beach, the cops were called. So, is this real? No, of course. Okay, <laughs> I want to hear this story. Assume you do assume so. <laughs> I want. I want all the details. Graphic. I, be, I think it'd be on a Broadway play because then I could play it off as performance. Sorry. I'd say the Broadway play because you're not. You're not sunburning anything. And also, there's valuable. probably not a chance someone is bringing children there. 
Oh, if it's a nowadays, Broadway, nowadays, sure. If it's a Broadway is. play that's known to have nudity, oh, less likely, less likely children will be there. That's true. The I don't know. know I've seen. I don't yeah. know how many six-year-olds I've seen at the okay. last two Deadpool movies if, I went to. If there's an, a beach that's known as a nude beach and no children are children allowed, and you know it, you know, um, I guess I would do it just for a laugh. Be like, all right, we're at a nude beach. I'm stripping my shorts off. I'm laying here in the sun for about thirty seconds before I burn my schwanz. But uh, yeah, the Broadway play thing—it depends on how long and how much exposed you are. I'm like, I'm assuming there's another, there's another party involved in this, you know, in this nude scene. So it might make it more interesting. I'm just like laying the, there naked on yeah, the beach. I feel know? like the play there's an extra layer of drama there that might be enticing. Yes. Not only is it is it Hamilton, it's it's nude Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> put right. that put that gun away. So is everybody? Th- wait, wait, no, I think we had we, we <laughs> all f- said something different on that, didn't we? Wait. No, we we no, both said the, we're the Broadway, Broadway play. Yeah, Broadway play. Okay, I I think I'm kind of iffy on both. I think I might go either way, depending on the stipulations. All right. Um, <laughs> would you rather date a movie star or a rock star? Oh shit. Um, movie star. Movie star. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Rock stars are generally rock. If I mean, like, you know, they call anybody a rock star nowadays. Right. I mean, even rappers. But if it's just rock, I think rock or chicks are kind of messed up. Do you have a favorite one though? Courtney Love uh, oh, is Courtney Love. Jeez, you got dark there yeah. real yeah. fast. So Courtney Love, I think she was a legitimate rock star for a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, she had a great album um, when she was uh, the lead of Hole. And so she was. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> I saw the look you gave me. Um, and, and she was, she had, she never was super attractive, but she had that kind of, like a kind of a, a, a charisma, I thought. The only yeah. the only female rock star I can think of that you could actually date because um, was it Joan Jett? Was I knew you were gonna say Joan, Joan Jett, Jett was kind of hot, but, yeah. but she was the one I was thinking you couldn't. Lita Ford from um, she had a she had a song with Ozzy Osbourne. She's the one I I went to a party last Saturday night. Didn't get laid, got in a fight. She's to your point. She's lived a rough life and it shows now. But back then she was pretty hot. So yeah. let's talk about Courtney Love a little bit more. But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, my point would be, and this is my sexism showing. How many female rock stars? Can That's you the think thing. Of? Yeah, there's not that a many lot of female them. pop stars, but not rock I just, stars. I just gotta say, I knew that you were gonna say Joan, De- Joan Jett Rooster. I had my my brain. He's gonna say Joan Jett. I don't know why. I just but she that. was she was one of mm-hmm. the ones you that you would say is attractive, but you couldn't date. I've seen some, she has kind of like the cute factor thing going too. Like yeah, oddly rock star punk ish. Yeah, so cute. She has that punk thing going. Mom, then yeah. Courtney Love will drive you to suicide. Yeah, pretty much. Boom. Happened once. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, this is dating myself. Pat Benatar. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, last one here. Uh, uh, would you rather die ten years before your time, but be allowed to haunt those that hurt you and your family? Or die on time and be an angel that can help everyone but your own family. This is the weirdest question we've would, had yet. That's dark, man. Yeah. Who would even pick this the was, first option? Were these questions meant to lighten the mood? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so funny because <laughs> I, don't like pre- I don't pre-screen these. So. <laughs> who would want the first one? I mean, who really would? Yeah, no, no, nobody would. Well, here's my here's my question to just to put a wrench in it. How do I know that it's my time? Like, do I know I'm going to die ten years from the day that I choose? Yeah, you go to that uh, that uh, fair uh, Zoltan, yeah, and you put from the coin there. in, and uh-huh. you get the coin, the the little 
piece of paper says you will die such and such. You day. get 30 seconds. Make it count. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that one. Let's go ahead. Let's okay, do one more. more. All right. Uh, would you rather be single for a year, and this includes no dating, or go on bad dates for a year straight? Oh, single for a year. I've done that, so sure. So, <laughs> I am now. <laughs> not, a big, not a big problem. No, I've been up doing bad dates. Well, you know what's wrong with bad dates is you're spending a lot of fucking money. Oh, yeah. That's my problem That's with that. If you don't have to spend money and go on bad dates, that might be fun because you have a lot of stories to tell after that. Yeah, but is it worth is it worth going through the crappiness of yeah, a bad date? Yeah, yeah. It is. If you're not spending a bunch of money, sure. Because uh-huh. it's it's fun to talk, tell little stories afterwards. A bad date is a great story. <laughs> I mean, what if it's a bad date and it's just a bad story? Um, you can you can spin it. You can spin it to make it a good story. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I'm tapping out of this one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get on to the next subject here. Let's do the Hunt movie. Yeah. Okay. That was just today, Deep Sixth. What's the name of the production company? Blumfall or something like that? uh, Blumhouse? Blumhouse? Blumhouse Pictures. You know, actually, I think I might actually have it. If only I had some way of finding it. Yeah, I should actually get on the interwebs here and look (laughs) it up here. I don't don't know why anybody was... I, I think it was... I didn't see any conservatives that were actually offended... I, well, let's let's get into the whole what it's about. So it's basically the most dangerous game. Yep. Yeah, right. It was going to be called Red State, Blue State, and it's a bunch of elitist liberals hunting, basically. Yeah, deplorable. And they use that, that term. Was, they use that term. That's why, yeah. And in the clip, they're like, well, where are you from? I'm from Orlando. I'm from Mississippi. It was all people who were seen to be Trump voters, and they were going to be turned loose in the woods and hunted, you know. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, the movie starring Betty Gilpin and Hillary Swank. Follows 12 strangers from conservative states who wake up in a clearing and discover they're being hunted by rich liberals. Because this happens every year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the movie, it honestly does. It happens every year. Yeah, it's like a purge, right? Yep. Yeah, There. so as reported uh, by THR, there is some on-the-nose dialogue in the film itself making its political allegory even more clear. So here's a quote. Did anyone see what our rat fucker in chief just did? One character in the film asks in an apparent reference to Trump. And then there's another quote. At least the hunt's coming up. Nothing better than going out to the manor and slaughtering a dozen deplorables. Another replies referring to Hillary Clinton's term for the some of the Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, complicating the de- debate over the film's political re- rhetoric are the real life horrors of the past week of El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Um, so they initially, the studio, and I, I still don't see... <laughs> It the was the studio same was studio that did Blumhouse. The purge I think. Movies. I think Blumhouse. I think they did the Purge movies. Actually. Yeah, and I Get Out. They did Get Out. Uh, Get Out. Yeah, which um, was very similar. So, but initially they they uh, dropped uh, the commercials right for it after the shootings um, because they thought it was distasteful. But now, Rooster, you tell me that they as of this morning they said the movie's been pulled. I got the message myself on the way to the studio here. Okay. Yeah. So my point was I. I, certainly, there were probably were conservatives who were offended by this. I didn't see a lot of them who were. They, what they're, and I'm using the term offense was, when viewed from the left, is they were saying, hey, wait a second, isn't this sort of hypocritical? You know, you're talking about we shouldn't have all this violence and everything, and you know we can't use guns, but now you've got a movie about hunting people you see as deplorable, and that doesn't strike you as odd. Yeah. And they were saying, oh, here's the right being all butthurt about it. Sorry. I'm getting. I'm on a website here that's playing. Hey there. Playing sound. <laughs> I don't know why. This is why we can't have nice I things. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. I saw the. I saw the trailer for it. Yeah. And it looks to me like the deplorables, quote unquote, are kind of the good guys. Well, and hey, spoiler alert: from the 1930s, in the most dangerous game, 
The guy getting hunted. The, the guy getting guy. hunted wins. And it's a great end to the movie, by the way. Yeah. But so the deplorables in this were going to wind up being the good guys. Mm-hmm. At least one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one guy or one woman will end up being the good guy. Hillary Swank is like the leader of the elite lefties yeah. in the movie from, from the trailer. Now, they might pull a switcheroo on us. Who knows? Because we're just speaking of the trailer. We haven't right, seen right. the movie yet. But from what I saw, I wouldn't mind them coming out with this movie. You know, I, I have to admit, I mean, it, it was distasteful. And I'm, mm-hmm. my, when I first saw the preview, I thought, wow, Trump derangement syndrome has just reached its its apex. How, how does it how, how do you outdo just yourself? Just yeah. Just I don't, like think, super I don't think there is an but, apex for Trump derangement syndrome. God, I don't know. I think I'm it just keeps going. <laughs> but um, I have to admit, I saw the preview. I'm like, God, that looks like a pretty good movie. Yeah. I, I, I will. I'll be on record. Well, they have a pretty good track record of, of movies being at least interesting. I mean, yeah. Maybe slightly entertaining. Well, the problem is when they when when the virtue signaling and the multiculturalism and this whole thing of you know. Uh, all that other stuff becomes reaches a level where it supersedes the need to entertain. Yeah. Does that make a rough kind of sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about this when it comes to the comic book. I used to be a comic book collector a long time ago and I still kind of follow it. Um, comic book collecting because some of my friends do it. Sure. Um, Marvel and DC have gone ultra woke, ultra left wing, and they're destroying the the brand, destroying... It's funny, as I was talking, I was actually thinking of Captain Marvel. I wasn't, yeah. wasn't going to say it. Yeah, we've but, talked at, yeah. at length about Captain Marvel, but even before Captain Marvel, it's been happening. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, it's just, it's it's happening, and, and there's... Is that me? Probably. Sorry. <laughs> well, then, can't, and then can't Brie, have it just things. derailed my thoughts. So that's yeah. That's, well, and then and then Brie Larson, who plays Captain Marvel in the in the movies, uh, goes on her press tour and says she doesn't want to be interviewed by white journalists. Yeah. Well, who's the guy who's doing the, the Thor movie now? The Tyke Wakiti or I yeah? Can't did I can you never hear what happened with him? Yeah. So somebody. I says, like the guy too. That sucks. Yeah. Somebody what says I'm not familiar. So he. They they had the whole Jane Foster thing where Natalie Portman's trying to hold the hammer up. Thor's and, girlfriend. Yeah. So she's going to become Thor now. <laughs> so uh, somebody said, somebody tweeted out something about, hey, you know, you're ruining this, um, oh, what is it? Uh, not the culture, but you're you're ruining. Established this, mythology. The, uh, the, the Mythos or whatever. Yeah, mythos of the, of and the character. And the point being that you're not just talking about a superhero now. Thor... In the, you know, uh, Nordic mythos, is a god. Son of, yeah. It son would be of like Odin. saying we're going to make Jesus a woman in the next movie. Um, but so they said, hey, you're kind of messing with this. And he, this director, who's I can't, I can never pronounce his name. Um, New Zealander. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and he uh, tweets back, "I'll ruin your mythos in ten minutes, baby." Yeah, <laughs> and it was just like you really just this Why? is the audience that it was, is going to see just your unnecessary. movie, you know? Yeah, and the, and the person tweeting it did say something about how they thought that um, the last Thor movie was the name of it Ragnarok. Yeah, had a little too much humor in it. It was it was a little too silly, a little too goofy. Which yeah. I agreed with. I mean, a bit, yeah. Hulk I liked Hulk the was a big goofy I quite baby. I liked it, to be honest. It was I, fun. I liked it. Yeah. I liked the movie. They did the whole devil's anus joke. They took that a little too far. And, 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 like, and Hulk yeah. was too much of a goofy baby. But whatever. But, it I was mean, still fun. Chris yeah. Hemsworth carries that stuff yep. off great. When when they're in the beginning, when he's in the chain spinning around and the big demon's talking to him, he goes, wait, wait, wait. Give it a second. Okay, <laughs> now. No, wait again. You know? Yeah. It, that was funny. Um, and the whole, the voice of this director who did the one... Uh, 
the one character was like, "Hey, mate, how you doing?" The it was supposed to be like a a caricature of the the uh, the bar bouncers and sure. in that area how right. they're just like super nice and everything. And uh, all that stuff was funny. It was a good movie. But here we are again with this. Well, I'll ruin your mythos. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know who your audience is? Taika Waititi. Yeah. <laughs> Taika Waititi. Yeah. I'll never, I could say I'll it. never Bless remember you. that. <laughs> um, but just this idea that, yeah, I'll ruin your mythos. Watch. And now apparently, what's the parent company for DC now? They're saying uh, Forbes. AT&T. Is, yeah. Forbes yeah. is saying that AT&T is going to shut DC down yep. now because their sales are so bad. Yeah. Well... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the only good movie DC ever made was Wonder Woman. Oh, Wonder Woman's yeah. a good movie. Was, I, and, 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 it, and it did have a it, – it, the third act was pretty bad. Yeah. It, they, they CGI was bad, and then just the story was kind of – and it's still worth watching. But they, Well, we disagree on this, but I did like the – I did not like the Dark Knight trilogy with Christian Bale. I like those. I hate Christian oh, Bale. The, oh, oh, so – yeah. I mean, so I'm a huge, huge Batman fan. Um in my opinion, Christian Bale's far and away the best Batman. The reason is he also uh, played a great Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he's the only, he he's the only guy that had maybe Val Kilmer, but the, the guy that had the the Playboy good looks. Michael Keaton, I love Michael Keaton. He's one of my favorite actors ever. He doesn't have that suave, manly right. idol sort of look. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you can't get past the Christian Bale voice. Christian, no, there's two things about Christian Bale, and it might be just, it might not even just be him, other than the voice, the the choice of doing that silly ass voice. Swear to me. Yeah, um, it, the, 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 cost, the costuming voice. Where are the other drugs going? The costuming choice. They made the Batman costume look ridiculous to me. Yeah, so basically, he had like a lollipop head. I've said this multiple times. He had a very skinny neck because Christian Bale has a skinny neck. Right. And then they made his head look like a lollipop, like round. And then they didn't cut the mask to be like like sharp. So like the nose had this like beak look. They, they made it rounded. And so like it made his whole head look like this big lollipop round head. And it, and his skinny well, neck, It's it just made me angry. Well, part of the thing with me is I felt no one gave the Batman... Uh, I'll use the, the word of the day is mythos. Uh, gave the Batman mythos the proper treatment because Batman is a very anarchic, dark character. I didn't. I never liked the Adam West campy stuff or the Tim Burton stuff later on. I felt Christopher Nolan was the first one to basically treat it the <clears throat> the way Bruce Tim did in the animated series. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, the animated series is the one I prefer. Oh, it's amazing to think that it, that only lasted for like three seasons. Really, a lot of people don't know that. It was that. longer than that. I know people tend to, but mm-hmm. no. And one of the best animated series ever made by far. God, we're dorks. Well, on that, that <laughs> I just went full nerd. With you guys. <laughs> yeah. We've done it before. Yeah. We, talk, we were talking about comic books. The, 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 the whole Heath like Ledger thing is the Joker. God, he was good as the Joker. He was insane. He was scary. Yeah, there yeah. are some there's some actors that they comprise a role, and you know you're not watching the real Joker, but you can't uh, separate the actor from the character. And yeah, it's gonna be hard that. to fill those shoes. Yeah. And that's well, what's his name? Jared Leto tried to do it. Yeah, Jared Leto. He did all right. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I thought the first half of that movie he did all right. And I heard that this new movie coming out with uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix is not even a Joker movie. It is. No, basically what they did was they took a script and they go, this isn't going to really fly. We're not going to make money. But what if we, it's close enough. Why don't we just say he's the Joker? Is this like Catwoman when no. Halle Berry did Catwoman? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. He, It's not even connected. The director admitted this isn't connected to any of the DC really? universe stuff. Well, I thought it was like the, basically well, the, the story. Version, well, the origin story, of, like the killing joke. Nope. 
It's it's not. Where's the comedian? Nope, and he, it's not going to happen. It's, I mean, the comedian part of it's probably true. Like he's a failed comedian, right? But that's it. And they said everything else is not even canon. Nothing. And they go. It's it's basically a bait and switch to get people into the theater. <laughs> you know, I can I can take a lot, but you go after my dear Batman. <laughs> you, now you've made it personal. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's get uh, since it happened just recently. Let's talk a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein, and then we'll wrap this up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anybody that doesn't know Jeffrey Epstein is this billionaire. He's been living under a rock. Yeah, uh, but he he's a billionaire. Nobody really knows how he made his money. Um, and, Investments. And he's known for being kind of a mover and a shaker in in politics in Hollywood. And he is also known for being a pedophile. Pedophile. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. So yeah, he, he he likes young girls. And what he did is he has an island, and they called it Pedo Island. Yep. And he would take trips, uh, private jets, to go to Pedo Island and, and engage in underage sex with girls. Disgusting human being. Here's the thing. It wasn't just him. There's a lot of people There's involved in that in Hollywood people. and politics. Yep. And the, the list is crazy. Um, Clinton, Bill Clinton was m- there multiple times. And when he went, he eschewed bringing his uh, Secret, Secret Service. Service, which, I mean, that's damning in itself yeah. right there. Yeah, I, re- I read the story and there was, a, there was at least, I think, Four instances where he didn't bring the Secret Service with him, mm-hmm. and the plane, by the way, just for anyone that's curious, it was Lo- called Lolita, Lolita Express. Express. Yeah, a play <laughs> off uh, Ivan Nabokov's uh, yeah. novel. And I've seen uh, they they have video of the island, like there's um, drone video. Yeah, I've seen that uh, hovering over the. Yeah, it's just creepy. There's like things they can't explain. There's like these little bunk houses and little, just strange things that you're like. It, it, it's a real pervert paradise, basically, is what it is. Well, and and uh, uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, went and I think on one of the plane trips it was Kevin Spacey signed log- along with Clinton. It's so just, he, he got, just for the sake of being fair, he got let off before for, he got brought right. up on charges and let off. Yeah, just for the sake of being fair, I'm gonna say you know that I've heard the number that he was on Clinton's flight. Uh, Clinton was on the flights like 20 sometimes. Mm-hmm. The point was made that look if the plane if he's on the plane once and it makes five different stops, that's five flights. It's really one flight, but nobody. Nobody disputes the fact that he was on at least four of them. Separate, four separate times. Well, yeah, and so four separate trips. But yeah. there was a woman who came out and said, "Look, this is how they sort of got me in this. She was as a uh, she was seen somewhere, and someone who was sort of grooming these people for Jeffrey Epstein said, "Look, you come in, you just give the guy a back rub, a shoulder rub, or whatever, and he gave her three hundred bucks. And she's like, oh, "This feels creepy." But next thing you know, it's like. Now you take your top off and do it, and I'll give you 500 bucks. No, I don't think that happened, but it was like, well, now he's gonna, it's going to be a full-blown massage, and uh, then at the end of it, he turns over and pleasures himself kind Jesus. of in front of her. And, and oh. she was getting like three, 400 bucks and you know gifts and all this stuff, and I don't think this particular woman ever had sex with him, but obviously this stuff is completely inappropriate. And they said this was, she says, this is an example of things that happened all the time. Oh, yeah. How old was she at that time? Do you know? At 16, I think. And the one I was talking about there is escalation. So different stories from different girls are talking about how they did this escalation. Grooming is basically grooming is what it is. And I I wouldn't put anything past Mr. Clinton. I mean, we all know about his litany of sex crimes. I interviewed Juanita Broderick on my podcast. Really? Yeah. And I actually have an interview coming up with with, uh, Kathleen Willey, one of the Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. uh, accusers. Um, yeah, the, 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 there's no endless depths of depravity to that man. Well, and you know, there's always the Vince Foster thing that people say, you know, did Vince Foster get killed? And then the Seth Rich deal, 
That seems even more suspicious. But to me, Jeffrey Epstein last week tried to kill himself in jail, apparently. They found him in the fetal position with injuries to his neck and everything. So at that point, he's on suicide watch, from Mm -hmm. what I understand. And suicide watch is... You're checked on every hour. And you're, anything that can be used to minutes. harm yourself is yeah, taken away from you. Every 30 minutes. Yeah. Clothes are basically made out of paper yeah. yep. at that point. I no mean, sheets, you, no clo- no real clothing to speak of. Yeah. And you don't even get a toilet. You get like something like a manhole, like a hole that you do your thing in. How do you, how do you kill yourself on that? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. And think of all these women now. They say, well, the list won't ever get out, but we have all these women. If you're one of those women, are you going to say something? Right. You're going to shut up. Right. Well, yeah, this is... Well, and uh, the, the, uh, perhaps I can introduce the, the fact there's also two uh, cameras monitoring Mr. Epstein 24-7. Really? Yeah, two cameras. That's what I was wondering. Would they not have cameras on they ha- like No, they, they absolutely had cameras. And, uh, and I had heard, maybe we can look this up, I had heard that he was um, uh, dead for something like four hours before EMT arrived. Now, if, if that is the case, uh, how does that happen when there's 24-hour camera surveillance? Yeah, I just. But then, uh, yeah, and well, then you know, of course, uh, I can already hear the distant whispers of people, you know, saying that wonderful word, conspiracy theorist. Yeah, um, and I am, I am not a conspiracy guy at right. all. I just, I, I generally think they're sort of silly, but you know, sometimes in these cases, there's just too much. And I, I remember the Vince Foster thing, and Crow and I were talking about this ahead of time. There was. There was uh, an FBI, a former FBI guy sort of reconstructing the scene. And the thing he said that was weird is that the guy shot himself in a park, but his glasses wanted to play 10 feet away. Hmm. And he said, but at no, none of these suicide sites are the glasses ever around because the person who's killing themselves, they're always like, this is planned out. This is how they're doing it. I mean, they take their glasses off. They put them away. And certainly this could be an anomaly. And there was enough sort of gray area there with Vince Foster. But Seth Rich, I mean, gets shot in the back of the head. By someone who's allegedly robbing him at five in the morning, and they don't take anything, you know. Yeah. And this is right after. And, and the theory is that Seth Rich was the guy who gave WikiLeaks information on the on the on Hillary's scandals. Did Julian Assange ever confirm that? No, and he he said he wouldn't. He never would. He's, that's right. what he says because he would never give up his source. sources. Well, at this point, he may not have any other uh, anything else true. left to do. Yeah. <laughs> Pull him out of his apartment. Screaming. But yeah, Epstein. I mean, it, it's funny. Everybody was making jokes about how when is he going to suicide himself? You know? Yeah, well, that, that, that's the first thing I thought of when I read the article, the, the, read the headlines this morning. There, you know, uh, he's going to. Uh, what will he do? Oh, uh, there was a. It was a meme. Uh, it was as if it was a tweet from I think it was Hillary Clinton <laughs> <laughs> saying, uh, "I'm I'm very sure. sorry to hear about Jeffrey Epstein's uh, upcoming suicide." Yeah, and, and such and such date in, in and, the future. <laughs> And now it's creepy because now I wonder how on the mark that was. Yeah. And here's the weird thing about that if you do buy into the conspiracy, which I, I kind of do. Um, but it seems bad timing because they mm-hmm. had this sh- – if, if you're – well, I guess it's, it's bad timing if you're thinking just pol- it's purely politically left versus right, Democrat versus Republican. It's bad timing sure. because it takes away the the uh, focus of the shooting, which is which is good for the Democrats right now. Um, and that, I hate saying that, but that it, it is, and as a talking point. Um, so it's bad timing for this to happen right now. It should have happened before, and then it would have just kind of went away with away. the shooting stuff. So I'm thinking the way this happened, it's not a political thing. It's not somebody thinking, 
you know, Democrats versus Republicans. It's this person knows too much about a per person A, B, and C. And a person A, B, and C are very powerful, and they want him shut up. Doesn't matter when or how. I don't care how the optics are. Get rid of him. Mm -hmm. So that's, I, that's I would where I'm at. I would encourage any of our mutual listeners to take a look. Though it is a conspiracy, and I don't ascribe to every fact in it, to take a look at the Clinton conspiracy killings. Yeah, the, yeah. The, there's a lot of them. It's pretty crazy. Some like, what's it up to now? Like thirty? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some some very kind of tangential. So, some some stretch, but um, not all of them are unfair. No. Well, and that's the that is the problem I have with conspiracy theories. Sometimes is that whole you know the nine eleven thing. I remember seeing a History Channel show where people from Popular Mechanics were, you know, debunking the whole conspiracy theory, and they're like. That plane didn't hit the Pentagon because it wouldn't look like that. And the, mm -hmm. the popular mechanics guys go, well, if a plane full of jet fuel fl slams into a building, we've run all these simulations. This is how it would look. And it pretty much matches up just like it. Well, I take it kind of case by case. I mean, yeah. some conspiracy theories are ridiculous. But other, like I mentioned um, uh, James Reston Jr., who I interviewed on my podcast. Uh, he wrote a book which was called, um, of course, I'm going to forget it now. The Accidental Shooter, The Accidental Victim, I think it was. And what it was was a book on the Kennedy assassination. He postulates the idea that um, it was actually Governor Conley who was in that the Cadillac with uh, with Kennedy that day. That Kennedy, that excuse me, that um, Conley was meant to be the the victim. Hmm. Now that's a conspiracy theory, obviously. But if you read the book, um, he lays out a very succinct case. I can't remember the facts at the moment, of course, but... Um, but very persuasive. <laughs> very persuasive. And, and like I said, case by case, and I mentioned before we, we jumped on the air that Joe Scarborough comes out early this morning on MSNBC and says that the Russians are responsible for Epstein. Who's a conspiracy theorist now? Yeah. Well, of course, the Russians are, because they do everything. Of course. Yeah. yeah. They have complete total control over American governance, American politics. Yeah, their economy, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, one-third the size of the economy of Texas... You know, they're running the world now. Hmm. Idiots. So. Well, on that note, we're running a little late here, so let's wrap everything up. Well, Josh, uh, thanks for coming on. We'll mention your, uh, again, you're at Laura Loomer at lauralumer.us, and uh, you just got picked up by thirdrailtalk.com. I did. And, and then well, your podcast is Unfiltered with Josh Cohen. Yes, indeed. And if, if I may just tack on to that Absolutely. really quick. Um, so Laura Loomer is currently uh, in legal battle with a number of, of outlets. One is CARE. The Council on American Islamic Relations, which is the yeah, we didn't even touch on it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I'll, I'll just, if I may, just jump. Yeah, in. absolutely. Um, effectively, the operating American arm of the Muslim Brotherhood, which has has been recognized as an FTO foreign terrorist organization by the UAE. And I recently, uh, I would encourage people to go to Third Rail Talk. I just published an article about how Trump wants the Muslim Brotherhood designated as an FTO in America. Um, Laura's in a uh, lawsuit with them with Care as well as uh, Twitter and with Facebook as well. And anyone that, it's it's an entirely crowdfunded effort. So anyone that wants to go and donate, um, I would encourage them to go to lauralumer.us to see my stuff and uh, and they can contribute and donate as well. And we'll okay. put a link sure. to that in the uh, in the notes of the podcast here. Great. Sure. And, and if I may, um, one last thing. Sorry, for Third Rail Talk. We're working on a story at the moment concerning the Dar al-Farouk Mosque in Bloomington. Um, at Minnesota. In, excuse me, Bloomington, Minnesota, yep. And uh, I don't want to give away too much, but anyone that wants to um, follow the story can go to thirdrailtalk.com or just go to YouTube, type in The Mosque Diaries. That's The Mosque Diaries. And uh, it's part of a multi-episode series that we're doing covering uh, the Dar al-Farouk Mosque and its litany of health code and, and, uh, and traffic violations. Okay, great. Yeah, Sorry for such a long burst. No, 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 no that's fine. 
So happy to do it. Stuff uh, stuff our listeners will definitely be interested in. <laughs> Great. <laughs> if you want to contact Rooster, it's rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And if you're complaining, just keep it to crow. <laughs> See you, bye. Bye.